one about fear. I knew it was going to be one of those evenings when she said she couldn't get to sleep. The wind was unusually strong and eerily loud, especially through the huge yew trees which stood at the top of the garden. It's just the wind. I tried desperately to play it down, but it didn't help that last winter a large branch had fallen and narrowly missed the van parked on the driveway. I knew my attempts to convince her that it was just a bit windy weren't going to make any difference, no matter how many distraction techniques I tried. I'd only had about half an hour to myself. I don't think I asked for much, just a little time to gather my thoughts, process the day and just be me, but best laid plans and all that. So I took a deep breath and tried not to sound irritated. She was genuinely scared. Okay, get into my bed, I'll sit with you. That was my evening gone. I checked the oldest three were settled and the rest were asleep. I put the dog to bed and texted Sid, who was out with a friend, to warn him that there was a child in his bed and that he'd have to jump into hers when he came home. Then I got into bed, the wind still howling. She took my hand and gripped it. And then, within minutes, I felt her grip loosen and her body relax. She slept. It was the most beautiful moment. All my irritation and disappointment about my time melted away as I watched her sleep. The wind still howled, the trees still swayed, and I was very aware that, if the, that there would be nothing I could do if they did fall on the house. But somehow, I made her feel safe. Somehow, me being there was enough. There were many things I thought about in that moment. I wondered about why I got so precious about my time. Did I think I deserved an evening to myself, like I'd earned it? Did I think I could clock out of parenting at 8.30, because most of them were in bed? Had I learnt nothing in the last 15 years? There's always another evening, and I do know that parenting is 24-7. It's not like our youngest lets me forget that. I think the thing that bemused me most, though, was the trust my daughter had in me. She found security and safety, not because I could change anything, but just because she knew I loved her. It was almost as if, in that moment, love overcame fear, as if love drove the fear out, as if love left no room for fear to exist. I know that much of the fear in our world could be overcome if we learn to love others rather than hate or distrust them. I know that fear is irrational and can be negated by logic and self-talk. But what about the fears that are deeply personal? The fears that haunt us about who we are, about where we're going and about how this is all going to end? How do we face those fears? It seems sometimes we distract ourselves from those fears. We shop, we work, we socialise, we watch TV, we read books, we flick through social media, the list could go on. And none of those things we do are wrong or bad, but they can be in, become avoidance techniques and in the long run they're almost about as useful as me trying to play the greatest showman soundtrack to my daughter to drown out the wind. The fear doesn't go. It might be numbed or hushed for a while, but often, deep within, our soul is still troubled, still uneasy, still fearful. Admitting that fear exists is painful. It leaves us vulnerable. Maybe acknowledging that our soul needs to be held, that what's deepest within us needs to connect to someone or something else, that our truest reality needs to know love is the start of working with that fear. Maybe that's why the Bible talks of God as love. What if in that moment where I held my daughter's hand, the mystery that we call God, that divine force, that love, became a very present reality? What if it's love that both awakens and calms our soul? What if love is one way we experience the something that is outside of us, something we know to be true but can't always define? What if God really is love and love really does exist?